Thank you for tuning in to Wove Inspiration Podcast with host Althea Richardson. Wove stands for Women of Vision and Excellence, and the mission is to inspire, encourage, and uplift women and the men who love them to becoming all they were predestined to be. And it starts with restoration. Megan is a 36-year-old mom of three married to her high school sweetheart. She first became a mom just two weeks after her 18th birthday and had her last baby at just 23 years old. She was thrown into motherhood before she really had a chance to figure out who she was. Megan, thank you so much for being on Wove Inspiration. Yes, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. So Megan, 18 years old or even before you were 18 you had your first child. So tell me that experience for you. Yeah. Um, Well, in one word, it was scary, (laughs) right? (laughs) I was a senior in high school. We, my boyfriend and I, we were, you know, taking our SATs. We were applying to colleges. Like we were doing all of the things to get ready to like take that next step into that next chapter. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden I had a positive pregnancy test. And I was just like, (laughs) I'm having a baby, but (laughs) I like, I just don't know how this is going to go. Like, I don't, I'm not employable. I don't have a job, like all, all of those things. Plus I had to tell my mom, I knew she would be, you know, disappointed, all of those types of things. So yeah, I would say the overall feeling was just a lot of fear. Yeah. And I imagine, you know, 18 years old about to turn 18 years of age. What were your plans prior to all of this? What was the the whole picture going to be like? Yeah. So I had planned to go away to school, not too far, um, just, you know, an hour or two from home. um, And I was going to study to be a teacher. So I was really excited about that. And my boyfriend was going to go to a different school to study to be an accountant. Okay. And when did you guys get married? We got married when we were 20. So a few years later. Okay. Okay. And so you had your first baby. When did you have your second child? Uh, When I was 21 or 22. 21, 22. Okay. And so, okay. So now you have one baby who at that time now was what, about two, three years old, something to that effect? Is that? Yeah. He was was four when I had him. Four. Okay. And then now you're pregnant again. So (laughs) what was it like after that? I'm like, okay, I got two now. What am I doing? (laughs) This time around was very different. We we didn't particularly plan to have a baby, but we were kind of like, you know, we want to have a baby, but, you know, we, we won't prevent against it, right? One of those types of things. Sure. Um, And of course, it happened right away. So we were really excited. And it was, it was cool to be able to be excited and to walk around in this pregnant body and have other people be excited for you too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was a very, very different experience. Yeah. And just out of curiosity, financially, how, how were you guys going forward? Because, you know, you had mentioned that you didn't really have the skills at that time when you got pregnant the first time to get into like a field or a job or something. So what were your finances looking like? 
Yeah. So for that first year after we had Timmy, my oldest, we, <laughs> I didn't really work. I worked like part-time at the mall at, in the evenings and Drew worked full-time as an, an electrician. And that job didn't pay very well, but it had a promising career trajectory. Okay. So we were excited about that. Um, we were living at his father's house. So we had, you know, someone else was providing the shelter mm-hmm. and a lot of the food. Okay. Um, we were providing, you know, formula and diapers and clothing and, and those kinds of basic things. But someone else was really helping us a lot during okay. that first year. And then... We got really lucky because back then you had to either be a full-time student or a full-time employee in order to have access to health insurance when okay. you turned 19. So by my 19th birthday, I had to have a job that was going to pay for my health benefits. Drew could carry himself and our baby, but he couldn't carry me because we were not married. And I was like, that's not a good, that's not a good reason to get married, right? I don't want to get yeah. married just so that I can have access to your health benefits. So I need to get a quote unquote big girl job. And that was really hard. You know, I, at first I was like, well, I wanted to be a teacher. Maybe if I get a job at a daycare center, first of all, daycare will cost less, but also I'm closer to like that teacher role that I wanted. And maybe I can start working towards that. Right. Um, that is not that was not the case. <laughs> um, daycares didn't want to pay, you know, a lot at all, especially to someone that didn't have really any experience or any education. And the discount for childcare was also not a ton. Oh, so wow. um, that turned out to not be an option. And so I ended up applying for a job at the company that my mom worked at. Okay. So she was able to put in a good word for me to the hiring manager. So my resume got through the HR process, which it probably would not have had I not had somebody inside putting in that good word. Yeah. So I was able to attain that job after the interview. And we were really excited because it paid really well at the time for someone who was a recent high school graduate with really Mm -hmm. no other work experience. Um, So well that we moved to Delaware where the job was located from Pennsylvania. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And my boyfriend quit his job and didn't really have a plan. He was just like, well, you're making a lot more money than, than I am at this job. So we'll all move to Delaware and I'll get a different job and we'll figure it out. (laughs) Wow. Okay. We're very flexible and very you know, we just kept a lot of doors open and we were willing to take any creative path that that we could find. Yeah, yeah. And and as a sidebar, you said Delaware. What part of Delaware? Yeah. So we are right actually in the middle of Delaware. So we're really close. It's a really cool location. We're close to the beach. We're close to the mountains. Um, We can get to a lot of really cool places on the East Coast within an hour or two drive. Okay. Okay. The reason why I ask is because that's where that's my hometown, Dover. Delaware is my hometown. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So we're a little bit north of Dover, but not too far from there. Nice. Nice. All right. So now you all have moved um, into Mm -hmm. your own place. You're making pretty decent money. And now you have number three, age 23. Tell me about that experience. Yes. So this experience was a little different because we had our second child right as the economic recession was happening. Mm -hmm. So we were not getting raises at work. We for sure were not getting any kind of bonus or anything like that. And, and our 
you know, finances were pretty maxed out with two kids in daycare. Yeah. <laughs> so this baby again was not planned. And we were a little bit, well, I was a little bit more back in that fear type of space because I was like, we cannot put three kids in daycare. Like, what are we going to do? Like, mm-hmm. I can't quit my job because at the time I was still making more than my husband. Mm-hmm. Um, so that didn't make any financial sense. And so what we ended up doing was, We both kept our full-time jobs. And meanwhile, we were both also going to school because we wanted to earn our degrees so that we could continue on our career path. Okay. And Drew also picked up a part-time job at the local Lowe's in our area. (laughs) So yeah, he would work at AAA from like nine to five. And then he would work at Lowe's from like six to 11 PM or midnight most days. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So here you are now, 23 years old, three children Mm -hmm. working, going to school. I have to imagine that it was, there was some stress for you. Um, (laughs) So talk to me about that. Yeah. You know, I've been doing a lot of reflection lately, and this has actually been a, a hot topic for me lately because I realize now looking back that I was in such a state of constant stress that I didn't even know that I was stressed. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> I didn't even know that I didn't know how to relax. That's how stressed I was and how constant it was. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's wow. Okay, so with all of the stress that you had experienced, there was a point where you started to experience anxiety and depression. When did that Mm -hmm. first show up for you? Yeah, it's interesting because now that I know more about both anxiety and depression, I can definitely see that I have had anxiety or symptoms of anxiety as far back as I can remember. And it really manifested for me once my kids approached an age that like, they didn't need me so much anymore. Okay. Um, so as they were all in like elementary school and middle school, and I was finding myself with, I don't want to say I had more time because I still, my time was being spent with them differently, mm-hmm. I guess now. Yeah. Um, and so I guess my body was then coming to like a realization that like I was under a lot of stress and now I have time to like react to that mm-hmm. almost. And so that's when I started having really, really bad anxiety. I had panic attacks all the time, mostly at home. But when they started happening, you know, in public and at work and became really intrusive that way with my day-to-day life, I decided to seek help for that. And, you know, the first time around it was okay. I didn't do therapy or anything. I did, you know, go the medicine route with my primary care doctor. Okay. It was not the correct medicine for me. Mm. Um, And I didn't realize that I could ask to like switch to a different medicine. I just thought this is, this is just what it is. And I didn't like the way that that felt. So with my doctor's help, we weaned off of that medicine a year or two later, right before the pandemic hit. So in March of 2020 is when I really experienced really some of the worst depression I hope I ever experienced. I wasn't really getting out of bed a lot of times. Like if I was not working or really if I wasn't working, I was in bed. I couldn't go to the grocery stores. I couldn't like engage with my family. Like I would sit at the dinner table and just like 
count down the minutes until it was like appropriate for me to excuse myself. Yeah. I mean, I would force myself to sit there with them at least, but I couldn't, I couldn't engage in the conversation. I couldn't laugh at the jokes. I could, I could not do any of those things. Um, I wasn't showering. Like it was, it was not pretty. And I was in total denial because it was COVID, right? So I was like, we're all experiencing symptoms of depression. It's not just me. This is normal. So I don't need help. And so I wish that I was a little bit more educated back then. You know, I've done a lot of work since then with a new medicine and the help of a therapist and a lot more, you know, inside work, but also outside research, talking Mm -hmm. to other people that have you know, anxiety and depression, reading a lot of books, listening to podcasts, those types of things. Now I'm much better at noticing the early signs because your body will send you warning signs and it's up to you to catch them. And if you don't catch them, that's when it'll really knock you down pretty hard. Yeah. And and how did this play in come into play as far as your kids and interacting with them? Yeah. um, You know, (laughs) we were going through a lot at that time, because as things started to open, it was kind of like, you know, things were open. So you want to participate in these things, but also socially, you were kind of being shamed if you were doing those things. Right. And we have children and we were really of the mindset that like, these kids can't be in this house any longer. Like Mm -hmm. they have to get back on the soccer field. They, they have to like get back to doing the things that make them, them. But at the same time, it came with this crippling sense of, you know, are we part of the problem? So that was a really hard struggle for me. Not so much my husband. (laughs) So that became a conflict between the two of us. So there was just a lot of conflict in the house, primarily between my husband and I. I would be very short tempered with my kids. And when I noticed that, I would just walk away. I would totally excuse myself because I didn't want to you know, say something I didn't mean or, you know, totally explode even worse than I just had. Yeah. Um, I had the the wherewithal at least to, to know that if I did not excuse myself in those situations, that I was going to potentially permanently damage my relationship with my children. Yeah. Yeah. And so with three uh, little children, well, not at that time, they were a little bit older, And I know one of the things, of course, is the schools were shut down as well. Did your Mm -hmm. kids end up having to do online? They did. And at the time, I had all three of them in three different schools. Oh, my goodness. So, (laughs) And they're in all very different stages. So my oldest, my brother runs a landscaping company locally. So my oldest, immediately when he realized that he didn't have any synchronous experiences where he had to be, you know, in a Zoom meeting or something at a certain time, he could just submit assignments. He was like, well, I'm going to work for Uncle Sean. I'm out of here. And then the other two, one was in middle school and one was in elementary school. And so their school schedules were very different. Like everybody had a different lunch break. Everybody had a different like recess time. Like all the schedules were just all over the place. And so while I'm super thankful that my kids are old enough that they could primarily be responsible for their own schoolwork. I didn't have to hold their hand as much as say like someone in kindergarten or first grade or those little littles. They were a little bit more independent, but it was just the like, 
there was no structure or routine. Like someone was always in the kitchen making something. The house was always a mess. Someone was always walking into someone else's Zoom. It was just crazy. And then when school started to open up a little bit, everyone went to school on different days. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Yeah, because maybe half of the uh, school was open and the other half had to stay home. Yes. Yeah, it was madness here as well. So I can't even imagine how it was with you. Yeah. And so while it felt like to me, all everyone, all these parents are finally getting like a sense of relief and like some room to breathe because at least their kids were out of the house one or two days. Right. We did not have a single day where we didn't have anyone home with us. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Wow. So how how do you prioritize your mental health as a mom of three? Yeah. It, so as a mom, you know, our time is very limited. And what I have learned about myself and with talking with other moms is that it's really important that we always stay connected to ourselves and what we need. Because back when I was a very brand new mom, I had no idea what I even needed. I had no idea what I liked. I had no idea how to unwind at the end of the night. I was just like moving through the motions and getting through the day as I was in survival mode. Right. Um, And now, you know, my kids are older, so it's definitely easier, but I will say that it's the little things, right? It's not the, It's not the, you know, getting a babysitter and going out or Mm -hmm. the spa day or, or, you know, these, these, you know, social media worthy type things, right? It's the little things. It's, you know, sitting in the car for one extra song before you get out and go inside to see your children after work. (laughs) (laughs) It's, you know, taking a minute in the morning to just take some really big deep breaths and just center yourself for the day. It's, doing a quick, what I call a brain dump, just like all of the things that are you know rushing around in your head. Maybe it's your to-do list. Maybe it's you know just other things that are bothering you. Just write them all down really quickly. It takes less than five minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and once you can see them on the paper, it doesn't feel so overwhelming. So you get yourself out of that state of like feeling like internal chaos. So it's these tiny shifts that if we can do them throughout the day often enough, we can we can get ourselves out of survival mode and then we can start to implement those bigger things that take more time because we've created this space. Yeah. You know, there's one question or a couple of other questions, but there's one question I want to ask because, okay, you were 18 years of age when you had mm-hmm. your first child. Mm-hmm. And what we're, what we're experiencing now and everything that's going on now, there is an argument to where it's like, nope, I'm too young. I don't want to have a child. And they make the decisions that they do. So mm-hmm. what what suggestions can you offer that mom or that mom-to-be that might be struggling? Like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can be a mom. This is not a good time for me. What, what suggestions can you offer them? Yeah, that's such an important question. So I'm going to start with a funny story to kind of lighten, lighten it up a little bit. Yeah. When I first told Drew that I was pregnant the first time, I just, I, you know, I spit it out and I just stared at him <laughs> and he looked back at me and he said, okay, well, you know, it's your body and I support whatever decision, you know, that you're going to make. And I looked at him and I said, okay, I'm having a baby. <laughs> Are you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, 
it is it is on the mom like the 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 man in the relationship can very or not very easily but much more easily decide this isn't for me and and just not participate right we don't really have that luxury um for me at the time you know i was afraid that my mom was going to kick me out of the house i was afraid that i was going to lose access to all of the resources that i did have Mm -hmm. And I learned that number one, my mom, you know, not only did she not kick me out of the house, she told me that, you know, for being so young, she could tell that we were responsible people, even though we, you know, made a little bit of a mistake, that we were going to get through it. So she encouraged me yeah. through like when I when I first told her and then and then throughout. But then I also learned that there were a ton of other resources available to me that I had no idea. There was a program at my school where I met with a social worker once a week, and it could be like a therapy appointment, or it could be, you know, education for Mm -hmm. moms of new babies and and those types of things. So uh, I don't know. I would just say, if you are struggling with this decision, first of all, my heart goes out to you. Find someone that you can trust to talk to about it. If it's someone, you know, at church, you know, a a relative that's not one of your parents, Mm -hmm. um, a friend, like someone that you can kind of talk through all of the options, because regardless of the decision that you make, you have to live with that decision forever. Right. You know, either way, you have to live with that decision forever. And so whatever you decide, you just, you have to know that and you have to, you have to know that you're going to be okay with whatever the, the decision is because both decisions are hard yeah. forever. Yeah, they, they really are. And, and you're right. There are plenty of resources out there. I know personally that because I work at a women's clinic and, mm-hmm. and we support women that have unplanned pregnancies and Mm -hmm. our main focus is helping to educate them of the resources and the help. And we do so much. We try to make sure that we provide them as much materials as they possibly can and on a continuous basis. And the education part is the, the most important thing. There are options. If you don't have the support, there are people that just want to love on you and and make sure you have everything that you need get you help you get prepared for the baby or get whatever your decision is we would be there for you so there are people out there that really care and that really want to help and support those mothers so thank you so much first of all for for even answering that question because i know that it can be a touchy subject yeah um, for certain people and so i appreciate you answering that question so uh, there was another question though that came to mind when you were talking about medication mm-hmm. because there is always this thing for for some where they feel like oh I can't change my medication because, you know, this is what the doctor gave me and I got to try to, you know, stick with it. But talk to me about how important it is to talk to your doctor and to get help for your mental health. Yeah. So my story is that 
The first time I recognized that I was at a point that I couldn't help myself and I needed help, I went straight to my primary care doctor and asked for medicine because that's what we're trained to do here in the United States, yeah. <laughs> frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, when I decided that that medicine didn't work for me, just like you said, I felt like I didn't have any other options. It was like either this or nothing. And at the at the time, I felt like I had done enough research and like enough work to not have gone through that again. Um, I turned turned out to be wrong. Um, and so the second time I reached out for help, I went to a therapist because I was really adamant that I was not going back on medicine because that's how bad I felt when I was on the medicine that I was on. And I would say things that, you know, not to trigger anyone or anything, but I would say to my therapist when she would, you know, recommend Mm -hmm. going back to a doctor and and asking for medicine, I would say things like, my brain is broken enough. I cannot, it can't be a science experiment. I can't be doing science experiments on my brain and and not know how I'm going to react to a medicine right now because my life and my brain is chaos and I cannot make it worse. And that's truly how I felt for a very long time. And so probably three months into meeting with my therapist every single week for an hour, she said to me, because I was, I was, I was frustrated that I wasn't making progress as fast as I thought I should be considering how hard I was working and how much I had been implementing everything that we had been discussing during our time together. And she said to me, you know, Megan, medicine can bring you back up to a baseline so that you don't experience such low lows. And when you do have something that, you know, sends you into a low point, it, you don't have to go as low and you don't have to stay there for as long because medicine helps even you out. Right. And you can work with your doctor to find a medicine that works for you. And what I learned when I went back, I saw a different doctor. And what I learned is that if you know that someone else in your family takes a medicine for a similar kind of thing, it's very likely that that medicine will also work for you. And so I was armed with this information that other people in my family were taking certain medicines, but I didn't know this. So my doctor asked me, you know, does anyone else in your family take any of these kinds of medicines? And I mentioned it and she said, okay, well, let's start with that one because it's likely if it works for someone that's very close to you, that, that you you will respond the same way. And it turned out to be really true for me. Wow. Okay. And a lot of times people don't understand that even though you're on medication, it is like you said, it's designed to um, pick you up on those low, low, low mm-hmm. uh, times, but it also should be coupled with therapy in that you're, you're able to start working your way towards being using the tools that the therapist gives you coupled with the medication so that you're able to have an even keel going forward to eventually be able to come off of the medication because a lot of people, there's some people that don't stay on medication for the rest of their life. Mm -hmm. They start using tools and implementing the tools that they've been uh, learning from their therapy and everything to help them on those low days that they have so that they don't stay low for the rest of their life or the rest of their days. But the medication absolutely is essential because my, my son he takes depression medication and 
it's communicating with the doctor your concerns is Mm -hmm. the utmost important. If you're feeling some kind of way with your medication, talk to your doctor, let them know, okay, this isn't working. Or even before you even start the process for me, I just ask a bunch of questions because I had concerns about my son losing his creativity because he's taken, you know, Mm -hmm. drugs for his depression. So communicate, communicate, communicate is I highly recommend for anyone that is experiencing any form of mental health issues. So Megan, how can people get in contact with you to reach out to you, to talk to you, to ask questions about your journey? How can people reach you? Yeah, thank you so much. Um, I am the No BS Mama on Instagram. I'm most active there. I also have a free Facebook community. I gave you that link, so you can put that in the show notes. And then, if you want to stay, you know, more connected with me, if it's okay, I can give you um, a free resource for a free self care menu that kind of has four different areas of your life. It's your relationships, your mental health, your physical health, and your environment. And it has over 50 different ideas to support your your mental health. So if you're interested in that resource, you can go ahead and download it using the link in the show notes. um, And that will also add you to my email list as well. Awesome. Megan, do you have any last words for our listening audience? Yeah, I would just say that, you know, I know that there is a stigma around mental health still. We are getting better about having conversations like these and being open to, you know, trying medicine or trying therapy or trying things for the first time, whereas a couple years ago, maybe we wouldn't have. And if it's, if it's, you know, if you have the slightest inkling that you might want to get help, please do that because, you know, like I mentioned earlier, you might be in a state that you've been in for so long that you don't even know how good you can feel. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it'd be a real shame to miss out on that if you don't have to. Absolutely. Megan, it has been a pleasure to talk to you about all of the things. I really think that we, we're going to have to do this again. <laughs> oh, I would <laughs> love sure. that. Absolutely. Yeah, we're, we're going to have to schedule another time because this conversation could definitely continue going forward. But I appreciate you coming on Wove Inspiration and sharing your story and, and helping my audience. I really appreciate you. Yeah, thank you so, so much. Hey, you guys, this is Althea with Wove Inspiration Podcast. You guys have an awesome day. Take care. God bless. Hey, this is Althea, host and producer of Wove Inspiration Podcast. Wove Inspiration features women and the men who love them, who use their voice to share their stories of overcoming obstacles in life. Everyone has a story, some good, some not so good. The common factors for guests on Wove Inspiration are their solutions and their victorious endings. You can follow us and leave a comment on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter under Wove Inspiration. You can also subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any other platform you listen to podcasts.